got the today we're talking about the domestic church. So yeah, that's so why we just the domestic church. How do you want to intro the domestic church? If you got a house, you got a church. <laughs> I think that's a great intro. So I'm Father Dominic. And I'm Paul Maneric. And this is our Ed Talks podcast, where we help to inspire saints uh, who inspire saints to build the kingdom of God. Yes, ma'am. So if you have a home, you have... Did you say yes, ma'am? I said yes, ma'am. I said yes, man. But I, <laughs> well, I am. I, a, that's better than yes, ma'am. I don't know why I said yes, man. I, well, I am a man. This is true. <laughs> yes, man. So if you have a church, if you have a home, you have a church. If you got a house, you got a church. Amen to that. Amen. And I also live. My home is the church. Yeah, and don't which, don't. which always confuses little kids when we do church tours because then they ask me, especially like first and second graders, they're like, "Father, where do you live?" I say, "I live here." Well, I tell them I live in the building that's connected to here. Like you live in the church? It's like, yeah, well, kind of. I'm connected to the church. I gave a church tour to the second graders. No one asked, "Where does Father Dominic sleep?" So that's a victory. I think that maybe they're learning a little bit. Uh, I had an altar server a couple years ago who was convinced that I slept in the sacristy, and I'm like, "Where, where would that, where would that be? There's no bench. There's no bed. I'm not Padre Pio. I'm not sleeping on the floor." Like, <laughs> Well, no, I have a nice, comfortable bed. Pope St. John Paul II, too. Did he, he sleep on the floor? slept on the floor, and he would mess up his bed so that people would, like, no one would know. Well, then how do we know that that happened? Because one person revealed it that was close to him after he died. Wow. Yeah, I'm I'm nowhere near the sanctity of JP2 or Padre Pio. No, that's okay, Father Don. I'm working on it. But You'll get there. <laughs> someday, I hope. God willing. <laughs> Just got to build these domestic churches. So domestic church. So what? What is a domestic church? Oh man, what a good question. What is a domestic church? Well, let's go back to Vatican II, which is where I think this term really comes from. Is uh, from Vatican II, uh, Lumen Gentium, uh, the light of nations. Right? Jesus is the light of the nations. The Lord is the light of the nations, and. Uh, in that, the, the quote is, the family is, so to speak, the domestic church. In it, parents should, by their word and example, be the first preachers of the faith to their children. Uh, 1964, coming up on, what, 60 years almost. Yikes. Uh, yeah, our, our, our 125th anniversary will be 60th anniversary of Lumen Gentium. Well, now that's something we need to put in the back of our minds when we start getting ready to celebrate that. Because Lumen Gentium is an awesome document, not just with the domestic church, but in, in general. It's a big one. But that's a, that's a very powerful quote. Very powerful quote. Um, and if you expand it out, the context of it is, is even more, it, it's rich. The, you could spend probably a week just thinking about how to live out what Lumen Gentium is talking about here in this 11th chapter section whatever you want to call it there's probably an official word i don't know it yeah, of the of the parts anyway um but it talks you know about both spouses it talks about the love between the spouses and how that mirrors the love between the father and the son and you know the holy spirit um that love begets the holy spirit that's a, that's a, i don't know who says that who is that augustinian who is the the, the that would the be holy, augustine yeah the holy you're right. spirit 
Yeah, is the father the, loves the son, the, lo- the son loves the father, and the love between them that unites them is the Holy Spirit that then creates the world. And that's that personification of love that's eternal and perfect between them. And then that, of course, is that it gets its mirror image in the family. Father, mother, the love produces Well, husband, wife begins. Husband. And then the love between them makes them a family, and God willing, that then is shown in the creation of children. Yeah. In the begetting. Then they become mother and father. That's true. They're not a mother and father when without kids. Correct. (laughs) You're a father without kids. I have my spiritual children. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that's that, the, the domestic church, this beautiful ideal, right, um, where we as families have the opportunity, have not just the opportunity, have the calling, the vocation, have the duty to make this small church as the first preachers of the faith to the children. And, um, you know, that's something that, uh, that many, uh, you know, in baptism, when I baptize babies, there's a lot going on. There's the guest of honor, him or herself, that doesn't understand why they're wearing a dress or a fancy little white tuxedo, <laughs> and, and all these people are gawking over them and taking pictures, and then you know the parents are you know nervous about the day and saying the right thing, and we're gonna get a, get to lunch on time afterward, and uh, you know all the guests that are coming. So there's a lot going on at baptism, so I'm not always su- surprised with if parents don't remember exactly what happens. Um, but among the first things that the priest or the deacon asks the parents are, are you ready to accept the responsibility of raising this child in the faith? And the same with the godparents. Are you ready? It's God, you know, godparents are not about who's going to take the kids if the parents die. That's not the point of a godparent. Um, rather, it's, it's supposed to be two adults, this man and woman in, in the child's life that are, going to help raise a child in the faith. And so after the priest or deacon asks the parents, are you ready to accept this responsibility? Then we turn to the godparents immediately after and ask them, are you willing and ready to support these parents in raising their child in the Catholic church? And they, they're supposed to say, they all say yes, whether or not they all mean it is another thing. <laughs> so I, I, when we went to it, so we revamped, you, you, kind of commissioned myself and my wife, Whitney, and our friends um, to revamp the baptism prep class years ago. Four, four years ago? Ooh, it's a long one. Oh, five years ago. It's when I first got here. Yeah. We've been doing that a while yeah. now. With Tara and Patrick. Before we paid you. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Uh, and I, I was paid in graces. Paid in grace. Um, so Tara and Patrick uh, and, and Whitney, myself, when we sat down, you know, we, we kind of wanted to, to emphasize that. And one of the questions that we always get is about the godparents. We wanted to emphasize that, right? The, the godparents should be a part of this domestic church in some way, kind of supporting this, this faith. But my wife, my lovely wife, always says, she says, well, you know, because her brother is our younger one's godfather. And uh, he was like, well, what do I do? And she says, hmm, see this envelope? Fill this with cash. And that's your job, Godfather. Um, so we, we share that anecdote with everyone. If, if your Godfather doesn't know what to do, that's a good job. But Have, uh, him, have him give the donation to have, the church. Exactly. Have, that's, that's a great idea. You task him with that. Um, but going back to fathers, mothers, um, and teaching, it, it really, I, I think that this idea that they're the first preachers is so true because our kids, I mean, obviously, 
when you stop and say grace before meal, right, you're pausing. When you say grace before you go to bed and kind of reflect on the day, sharing what you're grateful for, the blessings of that day, even articulating places where you've fallen, right, and, and having that humility to, to, to admit that with your kids and say, yeah, this is where I messed up, and asking forgiveness. All of these things, you're preaching um, and just living the faith, right, and living that because when a kid comes to mass it's hard and they're not sitting there absorbing all of the wisdom that's coming from the word of god and from the homily and from the you mean be- the three-year-olds aren't <laughs> hanging on every word i say some of them are some of them are they, yeah they look like it yeah um or the ones snapping with their eyes open no it's the ones that are screaming they're they they get it <laughs> they get it like make it stop make it stop um but yeah so you know that's there, there's very little at first, that they're getting here in the church, they're getting the sacramental graces, but they're not getting that that nourishing teaching. And where do they get that? They get it from mom and dad. They get it in the home. Exactly. And so at baptism, we tell the parents for the first time, like, you are the primary teachers of the faith. You know, mom and dad are the pastors of their little parish at the Menaric home or the Clementi home or whoever, like that's your parish church. Mom and dad are the pastors and those who live in the house are the parishioners. That's right. And then, and so if the, if the homes within the parish are the parishes of, let's say, you know, the diocese of St. Edward, then, you know, that makes the pastor, yeah, you, he's got, he's the, the Bishop of Mayfair. Yeah. I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not going to kiss your ring. I, I won't kiss your ring. That's okay. I don't like people touching me anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> But it, and, and it's the closest I ever want to get to being a bishop. I want that to be known. Uh, yes, I'm yeah. good. Pastor is enough. Now, the, the there's lots of great ideas about how to build your domestic church. Obviously, you've got the, the, the prayers. You've got the examples. All of these things you've got. But just, when someone walks into your house, and this is a question we ask in the baptism prep class, and do they know that they're walking into a Catholic house? Do your kids know, is, does their house, is there anything that sets your house apart from your neighbor's house who's not Catholic? Maybe they're Jewish. Maybe they're Protestant. Maybe they're part of the nuns, you know? Um, and so filling your house with reminders, physical, well, visual you can reminders. walk into anyone's home and know almost immediately what sports team they're a fan of because mm-hmm. they'll have you know, maybe pendants hanging somewhere or a game ball or a puck that they may have, have caught. Um, as you go into someone, someone's home, you can almost immediately tell by the decor and also what's important to them, right? I mean, you come into a house and the television is the center of the living room. Um, you know that, okay, this is where the family gathers. Like, it looks lived in. There's a TV, like... We know this is a space where people relax and, and in the front room or the front room of Chicagoan. Uh, um, is that what you guys say? I'm not Chicagoan. Is that what? Of the front room. The front room. Yeah. That's the, the I didn't, living room yeah. gathering space. Cool. All right. I'll start saying that now. Yeah, All right. Front room. We got it. It's like one word. Yeah. Front room. French room. French room. Not French. Not French. French. Like, like brunch misspelled with an F. Yes. And with a room at the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. All right. Talk to wow. new Chicago, and yeah. it's also Grachki. Grachki. The Grachki. 
that is that the key to get into the garage? Yes. Like, wait, is that the garage door opener or the key that actually gets you into the... Be the actual key. Okay. The opener would be the... And it sounds like a Polish last name, Grodzki. Yeah, kind of. Okay. All right, cool. Probably came up with it in the same place where they made the first uh, Polish sausage. All right, yeah. Well, I'm learning so much. See? Catholicism, Chicago See, lingo. by the vocabulary one uses in their home, you know where they're from and what's important. So all to your point, when someone comes into your home, do they know that they're in a Catholic home? It's awesome. So what do we do as a parish to start building these domestic churches so that you can be the bishop of the St. Edward Diocese of Domestic Churches, Your Excellency. Yes. Uh, <laughs> your Holiness, please. <laughs> so <laughs> what, what do we do? What do we do? We start a program. We revamp and re design our religious education program and so we did that also five years ago five year years five. ago yeah um and it's because you know our, our old program as wonderful as it was um it 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 turned out to be more of cheap babysitting than it was religious education it, it there was just a feeling that children were dropped off they knew they were in good hands and being taken care of and the parents had an hour and 45 minutes to go get coffee <laughs> complete errands go sounds, to the grocery store sounds awesome it from the parent point of view it does sound awesome <laughs> and and it was cheap um but it wasn't passing on the faith and that's that's our goal right we're here to inspire saints who inspire saints to build the kingdom of god and no Saints were really being inspired. Um, I think most of those kids went home, and the next time they heard our Lord's name was either when Dad stubbed his toe or maybe they went to Mass on Sunday. And so we knew we needed to do something different. And so enter in this program, A Family of Faith by Sophia Press, which it, it totally changed our approach to faith formation. And we were trying to, to bring back this this idea and truth that the parents are the first catechists, right? And that's how religious education in the parishes began. So a lot of people might remember CCD, which do you know what that actually stands for? I did, but I don't anymore. I looked it up once. It's the Confraternity of Christian, Christian Doctrine. Doctrine. Yes. All right. Yes. Yeah. And it was meant to be a supplement to what the kids were doing at home. So I, I mean, back in the you know, golden modern era of the church in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, you know, families were praying the rosary every night and, and they were going as a family to mass. And this is back when our culture, like everything was closed on Sunday except churches. So you went to mass, you went home, and you're with your family all day. There were no sports practices or rehearsals or games or stores open. Like you went to mass, you went home, and you were together as a family. But then parents got were getting frustrated because they you know, didn't have all the answers to their kids' questions. The parents couldn't explain transubstantiation or why God made us. And so they kept going to the parishes and asking for something to teach their kids the, the stuff, the, the academic stuff of the faith. And that's where the confraternity of Christian doctrine was started so that the sisters and the priests could supplement – what was being taught at home. And then over the course of 50, 60 years, it switched and the, the mindset became from to parents, well, I don't have to really know this or teach this because you learn it at, at religious education or CCD. And 
That's that's the sister's job, or that's the priest's job, or that's the catechist's job, is to teach you about Jesus, not my job. And that's completely wrong. Right. And so, but it is, but it is intimidating. It's intimidating as a mom, as a dad. It's intimidating to say, "Wow, wait." So I'm, I, I got to do this. Uh, I'm not prepared. And that's the cool thing about the program that we chose is that this handy dandy parents guide comes here. And so it kind of walks the parents. It's not just about educating and forming our kids. It's also about re-educating and reforming because that's, we're all constantly, right? We all constantly need to re-educate ourselves. We all constantly need to reform ourselves. Formation and education doesn't stop when we graduate. I mean, everybody knows that even in their job, right? You stop learning, you check out, be like, I know all I need to know. I'm never going to learn anything else. You're going to be out of a job pretty soon, mm -hmm. right? So it's the same thing with our faith. And it's, it's so rich, right? There's no way that we could ever plumb all the depths of this beautiful Catholic faith. So, this so is, how does the program actually work? Why don't you explain yeah, that sure, to, absolutely. Our, That's a good idea. to our so, faithful listeners? Yeah, so we meet once a month. Parents meet once a month. And there are a group of six of us now who are catechist teachers. Four of us are current parents of students in the program. One of us is a parent of former students, two alumni of the program, and the sixth is actually one of our old model CCD teachers, and she's stuck around, and she's awesome, Angie Ward. Um, so the six of us do it, and Angie was talking, she's like, man, I wish this was around when my kids were growing up, because I didn't feel comfortable or capable of bringing the faith into the house, and then, so you meet once a month with the parents, talk about and wrestle with what we're going to learn about, what we're going to talk about with the kids over the next month. And then you have a month to do it. And that's where you, you know, you might use the parents guide for activities. You might use the kids guide for activities. And then you come, we come back as a, as a group, parents, kids, everybody after meet for Sunday, 930 mass after mass, hang out, do a little activity, a little review of what we learned. And then the next month do it all over again. We do that for, I think eight months, basically the school year. Um, but it's awesome, and it took five years, though. I think we've really we've only just now really kind of hit our stride um, with it. And but but man, the the momentum is all it's moving. We're 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 moving in a good direction now. Absolutely, and you know, I I remember um, a couple years ago. We I think we we're in year two or three of the program, and one of our dads, who's now since grad graduated out with his son, got confirmed. Um, but I, you know, there's, there's parts of the program and then the parent night where we allow parents to get up and kind of share what they're doing at home, what's working for them, what's not working, where they're struggling. And so we can kind of help and support each other. Um, and so, so this parent got up and, uh, he was sharing a frustration on how him and his son were going through the, the activity book and the parent guide and trying to find something to talk about and, Nothing for that month was striking either of their interest. And then they get to the end where there's a saint for every month. And there was a, a martyr for that particular month. And his son started asking his dad all about martyrs. And his dad didn't have any answers. And, and then that's where, like, the dad was sharing his frustration. Like, I don't, I don't know enough. I shouldn't be doing this. This is why we need to go back to the old program where you had teachers teaching these things. And he said – and then he was saying, like, as – he meant it as a bad thing, but 
He said how his son got out his phone and Googled this martyr. And then he was telling his dad all about the martyr. And then as his son had questions, he was Googling all of his questions and then sharing them with his dad. And then, and then his dad remembered about martyrs from his home country and shared with him about the, sh- the shrine and church that was built where these martyrs were, were killed. And he was saying, you know, he was sharing this as like a huge weakness or flaw to the program. But I was like, when was the last time you sat at the dinner table with your son and talked about the martyrs? Or that your son had an opportunity now, an opportunity to teach you about martyrs. And then you got to share about your home country and, and the shrine. Like, did would you have ever told him that in any other context? And he start he started to get it. It's so cool. And, it, and I think that's the other thing, right? It's like, we don't have all the answers. We're humans. We don't ever have all the answers. Google doesn't have all the answers. We, we can't, right? The, there are too many answers, and there's not enough time and not enough brain. So it's okay to say, I don't know. Let's explore together. And oh my goodness, what a beautiful thing that is to actually start, like you said, having a conversation at home about the faith. Because... I was just listening to a podcast and this guy was saying, uh, someone from Notre Dame, I forget who who it was, he said that one of the main commonalities between kids who grew up embracing the faith of their parents is did they talk about their faith at home as if it was a normal thing? Did it flow? It wasn't that that's all they spoke about, but did it just come up? regularly and randomly in their conversation and would they have was it not a didactic thing where like dad saying well yes we go to mass on sunday because that's how it is and that's it or was it yeah why do we go to mass on sunday well why do you think we go to mass on sunday and then it's a conversation and sometimes maybe the answer is yeah i really don't know let's let's look it up let's go to catholic.com catholic answers great place to go there's tons of resources let's look it up in the catechism let's look it up in the bible let's email our director of faith formation paul ooh, ooh. <laughs> You can all at stedparish.org. I'll answer. I'll answer. Again, I don't have all the answers, but I promise you I will try to find one for you. <laughs> you know, the other thing, too, like, you know, when we made the switch from the old program to the one we have now, there was um, citing the reasons why young people, young adults, maybe millennials and younger, are why they're practicing their faith or why they're not practicing their faith. And the sex abuse scandal, like, not low. It was probably, I think, reason five or six. Number one reason why young people were practicing or not practicing was how important it was to their parents. So young people who had their parents, you not even drag them to mass, but they saw that it was important to their parents that their parents were at least going every Sunday or their parents made prayer um, uh, 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 a center of their home life, the, the domestic church. Like, that's what made it, like, if it's important to mom and dad, then there must be something here. And so it's, I'm going to make it important in my life. And then those that weren't practicing, which is the majority, 80%, it was because it wasn't important to their parents. Um, and so it, it, it shows that even, even though, you know, one day you'll have two teenage daughters, <laughs> they may not want to listen to everything you say as you didn't listen to your parents as a I teenager. Always to my parents. I just didn't obey. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's different true. Obedience things. and listening are two different things. Different, different things. But really, we we did listen and follow our parents, right? Um, and, and for my parents, the faith was important, and we were by no means holy rollers. You know, my my folks were were good about Sunday mass attendance, but they weren't perfect. Uh, but it was enough to show me this this is important. Uh, all right, so thank you, Paul. Uh, what are we going to learn about on our next podcast? We are going to learn about the ultimate sacrament of initiation, baptism. The ultimate. Well, it's, it's, the, it's the main one. Without that, it is. you can't have the other one. It is the door opener. It is. You can't get through the door without baptism. The sacrament of baptism. Yes. Big nice. one. Big one. Uh, and we will talk about that. We'll talk about how we do it here. Maybe even talk a little about the history of baptism in our parish because it's a pretty cool history. That's true. Maybe we uh, can do a little field trip. Ooh. All right. I like that. <laughs> do we, but We're we going to get experimental on this podcast, folks. We won't take the bus, though. We won't take the bus. We don't no need to take the bus. <laughs> no need to take the bus. And those mirrors... They're dangerous. The wide mirrors? The wide mirrors. Of the bus? Yeah. Yes. You should check out our parish, parish bus. It's She's a wide one. <laughs> <laughs> Edith's not flattered by that. Oh, Edith. Someday we'll have to talk about that. We'll our talk. bus's name is Edith. More to come on that. Uh, but anyway, that's our going to be our next podcast. Thanks for watching, listening. Beautiful. I'm Father Dominic. And I'm Paul Maneric. And thanks for watching our podcast where we inspire saints who inspire saints to build the kingdom of God. Amen.